Chapter Thirty One of Dread, A Tale of the Great Dismal Swamp by Harriet Beecher Stowe. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by John Brandon. Dread, Chapter Thirty One The Warning. In life, organized as it is at the South, there are two currents. One, the current of the master's fortunes, feelings, and hopes, the other, that of the slaves. It is a melancholy fact in the history of the human race, as yet, that there have been multitudes who follow the triumphal march of life only as captives, to whom the voice of the trumpet, the waving of the banners, the shouts of the people, only add to the bitterness of enthrallment. While life to Nina was daily unfolding in brighter colors, the slave brother at her side was destined to feel an additional burden on his already unhappy lot. It was toward evening, after having completed his daily chores, that he went to the post office for the family letters. Among these, one was directed to himself and he slowly perused it as he rode home through the woods. It was as follows. My dear brother, I told you how comfortably we were living on our place, I and my children. Since then, everything has been changed. Mr. Tom Gordon came here and put in a suit for the estate and attached me and my children as slaves. He is a dreadful man. The case has been tried and gone against us. The judge said that both deeds of emancipation, both the one executed in Ohio and the one here, were of no effect, that my boy was a slave and could no more hold property than a mule before a plow. I had some good friends here, and people pitied me very much, but nobody could help me. Tom Gordon is a bad man, a very bad man. I cannot tell you all that he said to me. I only tell you that I will kill myself and my children before we will be his slaves. Harry, I have been free, and I know what liberty is. My children have been brought up free, and if I can help it, they never shall know what slavery is. I have got away, and am hiding with a colored family here in Natchez. I hope to get to Cincinnati, where I have friends. My dear brother, I did hope to do something for you. Now I cannot, nor can you do anything for me. The law is on the side of our oppressors, but I hope God will help us. Farewell, your affectionate sister. It is difficult to fathom the feelings of a person brought up in a position so wholly unnatural as that of Harry. The feelings which had been cultivated in him by education and the indulgence of his nominal possessors were those of an honorable and gentlemanly man. His position was absolutely that of the common slave, without one legal claim to anything on earth, one legal right of protection in any relation of life. What any man of strong nature would feel on hearing such tidings from a sister, Harry felt. In a moment there rose up before his mind 
the picture of Nina in all her happiness and buoyancy, in all the fortunate accessories in her lot. Had the vague thoughts which crowded on his mind been expressed in words, they might have been something like these. I have two sisters, daughters of one father, both beautiful, both amiable and good, but one has rank and position, and wealth and ease and pleasure. The other is an outcast, unprotected, given up to the brutal violence of a vile and wicked man. She has been a good wife and a good mother. Her husband has done all he could to save her, but the cruel hand of the law grasps her and her children and hurls them back into the abyss from which it was his life's study to raise them. And I can do nothing. I am not even a man. And this curse is on me, and on my wife, and on my children, and children's children forever. Yes, what does the judge say in this letter? He can no more own anything than a mule before his plough. That's to be the fate of every child of mine. And yet people say, you have all you want. Why are you not happy? I wish they could try it. Do you think broadcloth coats and gold watches can comfort a man for all this? Harry rode along, with his hands clenched upon the letter, the reins drooping from the horse's neck, in the same unfrequented path where he had twice before met Dread. Looking up, he saw him the third time, standing silently as if he had risen from the ground. Where did you come from? said he. Seems to me you are always at hand when anything is going against me. Went not my spirit with thee? said Dread. Have I not seen it all? It is because we will bear this, that we have it to bear, Harry. But, said Harry, what can we do? Do? What does the wild horse do? Launch out our hooves, rear up, and come down on them. What does the rattlesnake do? Lie in their path and bite. Why did they make slaves of us? They tried the wild Indians first. Why didn't they keep to them? They wouldn't be slaves, and we will. They that will bear the yoke may bear it. But, said Harry, dread this is all utterly hopeless without any means or combination or leaders we shall only rush on to our own destruction let us die then said dread what if we do die what great matter is that if they bruise our head we can sting their heels nat turner they killed him but the fear of him almost drove them to set free their slaves. Yes, it was argued among them. They came within two or three votes of it in their assembly. A little more fear, and they would have done it. If my father had succeeded, the slaves in Carolina would be free today. Die? Why not die? Christ was crucified. Has everything dropped out of you that you can't die? that you'll crawl like worms for the sake of living. I'm not afraid of death myself, said Harry. God knows I wouldn't care if I did die, but... Yes, I know, said Dread. She that letteth will let, 
till she be taken out of the way. I tell you, Harry, there's a seal been loosed. There's a vial poured out on the air, and the destroying angel standeth over Jerusalem with his sword drawn. What do you mean by that? said Harry. Dredd stood silent for a moment. His frame assumed the rigid tension of a cataleptic state, and his voice sounded like that of a person speaking from a distance. Yet there was a strange distinctness in it. The words of the prophet, and the vision that he hath from the Lord, when he saw the vision, falling into a trance, and having his eyes open, and behold, he saw a roll flying through the heavens, and it was written within and without, with mourning and lamentation and woe. Behold, it cometh. Behold, the slain of the Lord shall be many. They shall fall in the house. And by the way, the bride shall fall in her chamber, and the child shall die in its cradle. There shall be a cry in the land of Egypt, for there shall not be a house where there is not one dead. Dread! 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 said Harry, pushing him by the shoulder. Come out of this! Come out! It's frightful! Dread stood looking before him with his head inclined forward, his hand upraised, and his eyes strained, with the air of one who is trying to make out something through a thick fog. I see her! he said. Who is that by her? His back is turned. Ah, I see. It is he, and there's Harry and Milly. Try hard, try. You won't do it. No, no use sending for the doctor. There's not one to be had. They're all too busy. Rub her hands, yes, but it's no good. Whom the Lord loveth, he taketh away from the evil to come. Lay her down. Yes, it is death, death, death. Harry had often seen the strange moods of dread, and he shuddered now because he partook something in the common superstitions which prevailed among the slaves of his prophetic power. He shook and called him, but he turned slowly away, and with eyes that seemed to see nothing, yet guiding himself with his usual dexterous agility, he plunged again into the thickness of the swamp and was soon lost to view. After his return home, it was with a sensation of chill at his heart that he heard Aunt Nesbitt reading to Nina portions of a letter describing the march through some northern cities of the cholera, which was then making fearful havoc on our American shore. Nobody seems to know how to manage it, the letter said. Physicians are all at a loss. It seems to spurn all laws. It bursts upon cities like a thunderbolt, scatters desolation and death, and is gone with equal rapidity. People rise in the morning well and are buried before evening. In one day houses are swept of a whole family. Ah, said Harry to himself. I see the meaning now. But what does it portend to us? How the strange foreshadowing had risen to the mind of dread, we shall not say. Whether there be mysterious electric sympathies, which floating through the air bear dim presentiments on their wings, 
or whether some stray piece of intelligence had dropped on his ear and had been intercepted by the burning fervor of his soul we know not the news however left very little immediate impression on the daily circle at canama it was a dread reality in the far distance harry only pondered it with anxious fear End of chapter 31 Recording by John Brandon